So I'm just so thankful that you're tuning in this morning. I believe that God's got a great word. I believe the Lord spoke something to me this past week, and I believe it's, um, it's needed for us during this season in our lives. So just a couple of things. Uh, many of y'all know we introduced a midweek devotional this past Thursday. We're going to have it again this Wednesday. We're going to have it on Wednesdays from now on at 7. It's just, again, an opportunity to come together, point of, point of contact. You know, we used to have Wednesday services all the time growing up, so we're kind of implementing that again. So please tune in at 7. We'll have worship, and um, I'll recap the word from this morning. We'll have a great time. Elsa mentioned small groups. Um, I'm, I've been praying a lot about how we need to move forward. I believe for the time being, we need to continue to meet. I know that um, our government officials are making decisions, and so we definitely want to respect and honor their decisions. And so um, I'm going to be talking to your small group leaders. If you're not in a small group, please connect to one. Again, we don't know the next time we're going to be able to see one another all together. So small groups are really important. As also said, you can email us, you can call us, you can message me, message us on our Kingdom Church Facebook page. Um, a lot of people I know have been meeting in person, and some groups have been meeting uh, through Zoom or other um, uh, forms of media o- online, and so that's definitely a possibility. And if we go that direction, I believe that God is going to give us the grace so that we can keep the fellowship online. There's grace for again. It doesn't matter. This is really important. It doesn't matter what you, what situation you find yourself in, what season you're in. God has given you the grace to have an abundance of peace and joy. And so I believe that God is going to give that for us for our small groups. Now. Um, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of needs right now, and I've been praying about what we as a church can be doing. Uh, I'm going to be talking with some nonprofits this week and even maybe reach out to the city and see what they need. Um, so I would really encourage you just to be in prayer for us as we ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want to use um, us to be the hands and feet uh, to reach the needs of our community? I will say this, in the meantime, you know, we read last week a little bit in Acts 2 about about the early church and how they met together, went from house to house. The Word of God says they met each other's needs. That's actually how the church worked. They met each other's needs. The Bible says they sold all their possessions and and gave it to, to the church and gave it to leaders to help distribute as people had need. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. I would encourage you uh, to, to be in prayer and ask the Lord, Lord, how can I meet the needs of those people around me? I guarantee you God wants to use the resources that you have, whatever that is, um, your time, your prayers, uh, your finances. He wants to use the resources that you have to meet the needs of the people around you. So I want to encourage you to pray that prayer and don't um, be surprised when God sends somebody your way to meet somebody's needs. I believe that is the best place to start and um, I believe that God has called kingdom to do that. And, of course, we're going to be, as I said, talking to other organizations. But I believe God wants us to meet the needs of the people around us. One more thing. Um, this past week, uh, maybe two weeks, um, several um, well-known pastors in the United States got together and came up with an initiative called Unite 714. And it's based on the verse in Seneca Chronicles 714. I'll read it in a minute. But basically, uh, churches are committing to praying every day at 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening and pray for our nation, pray against the spirit of fear that is coming against our nation and pray um, uh, against uh, this pandemic, this virus who has invaded all of our lives. And so um, I want to take a second this morning and pray with each of y'all. And I know, and I, I, know, I think Elsa might have mentioned this earlier, 
I know you're sitting probably in your, in your living room, you're in your bed, you're laying down, you probably haven't even rolled out of bed yet. Take advantage of that because you're not going to be able to do that for very much longer. Take advantage of it. Um, but I want to encourage you, it doesn't matter how you're standing, sitting, laying down, I want you to join with us in prayer. It's not, it's not necessarily about being in proximity with one another. Remember, when we pray, we offer up spiritual words to our Father. So we can join together in one spirit. I, I don't know how many people are watching or how many people will watch. It doesn't matter if you're watching right now or later. You can join with us in the spirit. Remember, in the spirit, there's no time. There's, uh, there's no um, this idea of time or space. There's no such thing in the spirit. We are joined together as one. I think that's really cool to be able to experience that apart from one another. So I want to invite up Miss Sandra and Miss Caitlin, if you can come on up. Um, they're going to help me pray. I'm going to read 2 Chronicles 7.14. Um, if you could just down on either side of me. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and hear the land. I don't know if you know this, but the, the Bible says that as to the degree that we walk in unity with God's word is the degree that we will be blessed. And you don't have to look around very hard to realize that our nation, for the most part, is not surrendered to the Lord. And I, I don't know how this pandemic plays into that, but it is very, very likely that what is happening could be because we have chosen, not because God is punishing us, we have chosen not to include God. So I had to ask Ms. Sander and Caitlin to pray over a couple of areas. Uh, Sander will start, Caitlin will go next, and I'll finish. And, but we just want to join together with every church, many churches that are joining together this morning and in the coming weeks to pray for our nation, pray for our world against these things that the enemy is trying to use to bring fear into our lives. So, Ms. Sander, if you could go ahead. Father God. First and foremost, we want to just come before you and say yes, thank yes. you, Father God. Thank you for who you are in our lives, Father God. Thank you for your favor yes, and your anointing, Father God. Right now, Father God, I want to yes, stand God. here and declare over all the people of your nations, Father God, that fear has to leave. Yes, fear yes, has to yes, go. It has no place in our lives, mm -hmm. no place in our heart, and no place in our homes, Father God. We just today, Father God, we're going to stand yes. strong on the foundation of your word, Father God, because you are the father of joy. You are the father yes, of peace. Yes, you, are. you are the father of provision, Father God. So today, Father God, help us go out and find those, Father God, who are walking around hopeless or discouraged, Father God, yes. and remind them, Father God, that there is a light at the end of this storm, and his name is Jesus, Father yes. God. In the end, Father God, you will get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, Father God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Lord, I want to lift up every city official, every health official in the name of Jesus. Yes, Any person um, or establishment that is on the front lines um, facing fear every single day, Father, I just thank you for giving them that special grace in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for... Um, just divine healing over their own bodies in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for supernatural protection in their establishments, in their homes, on their person. And Father, just thank you that you are giving wisdom yes, and yes. revelation to those, even if they don't even know who you are. But Father, I thank you that you can meet anybody wherever they're at. And so, Jesus, I thank you for being in the midst of the hospitals, being in yes. the midst of the testing centers, wherever they are, Father, that you are there in Jesus' name. And I call your glory forth and to fall down on those places in the name of Jesus. Let the the halls be filled with your presence in the name of Jesus. And I lift up every business 
that is being affected by just different things. Father, I thank you that there is going to be um, supernatural provision for those. I thank you, Father, that the worry will not remain in their hearts, but let their eyes be turned towards you in the name of Jesus. And Father, I lift up every single family and a business. Um, I thank you, Father, that those providers are going to see that you are their provider in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just declare um, healing and just grace and your glory to fall on this city and these um, and the cities and the states and this nation in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you, God, for hearing our request. You are a God who hears, you see. God, you listen to our requests, Father, and you do it because we are your children. So, Father, we just want to thank you for hearing our requests. Father, we know that you're going to conquer the spirit of fear in our families, in our communities, in our nation, Father. We know that you're going to hear our requests, Father, and take care of our, our health officials. God, you're going to give wisdom to our government officials. Father, we pray for your will to be done. We join the corporate body, God, Big C Church, and we say, Jesus, let your kingdom come and your will be done, Father. Not ours, but your will be done. We thank you for hearing us, God. We will commit to praying, Father, until we see you moving. Father, God, we say we trust you in the timing, God. We trust you for whatever may come, knowing that you are in complete control. Your word says your throne of God is forever and ever. Your throne of God is forever and ever. You are always reign. You are always in control. And we put our faith and trust in that. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. So I want to encourage you. We're going to be praying um, in the coming days. We may uh, have nights of prayer. Um, maybe not here, but we may call our church to have nights of prayer and, and fasting. So I want to encourage you, please be praying. Pray, don't, don't despise your prayers. I know it's very easy for us to say when we're praying to think that our words are just hitting, hitting the ceiling. They are not. They don't have to go up to heaven because Jesus is here with us. He is hearing our prayers, and so please keep praying. Please, please keep interceding. Last week, I talked about how, you know, this whole situation is just a really crazy thing, right? Um, nobody anticipated um, having to stay at home or because of an enemy that we can't even see. Um, but I, I really felt last week that God impressed me to, to write this, and it's what we see as an obstacle or hurdle God sees as an opportunity, Church, anytime something happens, any, it doesn't, if something happens and it jolts you and kind of messes up your day, maybe messes up your week, and you think, man, God, things are going so well, this and that, we have to begin to not look at what's happening in front of us, but say, all right, Lord, what has happened does not feel good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't seem like it's going to help me at all. But I know because I know because I know your word that this is an opportunity for you to move. And just from experience, it's very hard. It's amazing to me. It doesn't, matter that it doesn't matter how long I've lived for the Lord and seen him do some mighty things in my life and my friend's life. Whenever something happens, I almost instantly begin to dwell on what's in front of me. God wants us to be able to mature and say, hey, I'm not going to worry about what's happened to me. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, in the moment I have to take control of my emotions and feelings, but I know, God, you're up to something. Whenever we begin to look at it that way, we can experience peace and joy much, much quicker. And so I want to encourage you, um, this is an obstacle for sure. And for the churches across the United States and the world, it is an obstacle because all of us are having to go online or not meeting at all. Um, where there is a hurdle, an obstacle, God provides an opportunity. Last week we talked about, real briefly, overcoming fear. Fear is a tactic by the devil to lie to you. That's... A, the, when, and we're going to read this in a minute. When the devil speaks, he lies. He never speaks truth. So it's, fear is a tactic to try to convince you that God is not big enough to take care of you. That's all it is. 
Spirit is trying to uh, get us to not trust God, take our lives into our own hands, and, and, and begin to uh, do things the way we think. Anytime we do things the way we think, it never works out. Fear is this evil, evil, evil spirit. It's a remember it's a spirit that also manifests as a, as a feeling. It's an evil spirit that tries to get us to not to trust God. And, it, and the fear tries to paint a picture so that we think that God isn't big enough. Of course, that's a lie. It's actually the first lie that was ever spoken of in all and all, and all uh, in human history, the, uh, the serpent said, did God say, did God say that this would happen? Did God say? He tried to put doubt in God's word, and so we have to overcome that. How do we overcome fear? Quickly, Philippians 4, verse 6, I think we have it on the screen. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Hold on one second. It says, don't be anxious about anything. The first step to overcoming fear is understanding that God is for you. If you know that God is for you, then you don't have to be anxious, okay? Once you understand that God is for you, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The second step is um, tell God how you feel. Once you understand that God is for you, just tell him how you feel. God, I hate this situation. I hate that they're cutting my hours. I don't like it, but God, I trust you. God wants to hear how you feel. The Psalms are full of laments and the writers expressing their feelings to the Lord. But if you read all, almost every time they come around to saying, God, but I trust you. I don't like what's happening, but I trust you. Verse 7, and it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is key. And the peace of God is going to come. The third point is this. Don't move until God's peace arrives. This is the key. The enemy wants you to experience fear, but we're, what we're supposed to do is understand that God is for us, tell God how we feel, and don't move until the fear is gone and God's peace is there. Again, we can make decisions two ways, with fear or with peace. Many of us, many times, make decisions out of fear, and we're not supposed to do that. So that's how we overcome fear. You can, um, I talked a little bit more about it at last week's uh, devotional if you want to uh, check that out. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 8, 31. John 8, 31. And as you're turning there, I want to read one scripture. So turn to John 8, 31. I'm just going to read this. You can follow along on the screen. Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Verse 6, 106. I promised it once, and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. You can leave it there. God's word is a light, a lamp to our feet, and a light to our path. This is the importance of God's word. We're going to talk about God's word this morning. And then I love this because I've prayed, I've prayed this so many times. And if you're a believer, you have to learn to pray this over and over and over again. I promised it once, and I'll promise it again, and I'll promise it again and again. Even if I mess up every time after this, I will promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. Okay, go back to, um, you can look at verse 5, but this past week I had a specific burden, I believe, that was placed on me to talk about the importance of God's Word. I don't know if you know, but the Bible is very, very important to us. Turn to somebody and say, the Bible is important to you and to me. It's very important. Church, if we're going to learn to navigate this season in our lives, in our personal lives, in our nation's lives, 
in peace and joy. We're going to navigate it one way or the other, but if we're going to navigate it with peace and joy, we have to learn to make the Bible a priority. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 170-something 100 verses. The whole, if you read it, the whole chapter is about how important the Word of God is to the writer who's writing it. If you look at verse 9, verse, uh, verses 9, 10, and 11 really helped me um, early on in my walk with the Lord. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not um, wander from your commandments. And then it says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When I was a young, when I was a young man, I'm still young, I think. Um, when I was a younger man, I, I was struggling with some things, and this verse came to mind. And the Lord said, if you're, how can a young man keep his way pure? Josh, how, this is how you're going to keep your way pure before me, um, by guarding it according to your word. Memorize the word, get in the word, learn the word, and it will set you free. Um, Psalm 119, uh, verses, uh, verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. What does it say? Those of us who make the word of God a priority say, uh, 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 those who make, of us who make the word of God a priority, nothing is going to make us stumble because we know the word. Today's uh, sermon is entitled, And the Truth Will Set You Free. So if you're taking notes, And the Truth Will Set You Free, I really believe that we're going to spend this week and probably a uh, few more Sundays on this because the Word of God has the power to set us free. So we're going to talk about that briefly. So if you uh, have your Bible, John 8, before I read verse 31, in the verses prior to verse 31, Jesus is describing who, the, telling the crowd who he is. In verse 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. In verse 28, he says, I'm the son of man. He, he tells the people, I'm not of this world. I'm speaking, he said, I'm speaking truth because I come from the Father. Everything I'm saying is, is what I've heard first from God the Father. I'm not making it up. I didn't come of my own accord. I didn't come in my own authority. I came in the Father's authority. Let's pick up with verse 31. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hold on right there. He says, Jesus said to the people, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Why does he say this? He, he says uh, this because if you're not faithful to his teachings, then you can't know his character. And if you can't, if you don't know his character, if you're not in the word, if you're not studying the word, and if, and, and, um, then you won't know his character. And if you don't know his character, then you won't represent him well. How do us know people who say they're Christians and they, they go to church, but you wouldn't know that they were Christians unless they said that they were Christians or unless they showed up to church? Jesus is talking to uh, Jew, Jewish people. He's talking to a bunch of Jews who come from Abraham's, uh, Abraham's um, descendants, from his seed. They're all supposed to be part of the church, um, but as we're going to read, they're not. And then he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm going to come back to this later. Look at verse 33. He says, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you, you will be set free? Hold it there. Jesus said, Jesus said, and you will know the truth and your truth will set you free. And they said, we're descendants of Abraham. What do you mean? Uh, he said, we've never been in bondage and slavery to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? I want you, this statement, if you've read the Bible any length of time, you can, you, you'll realize how crazy the statement is. All of Israel's history, they were in bondage. 
They were in bondage for 400 years to the Egyptians. And when they got into, into the promised land, they turned away from the Lord and they were in bondage to everyone. Eventually, they were taken into captivity um, by, by the Babylonians for 70 years. Their whole existence was being in bondage. But they said, we've never, we've never been in bondage. What does that mean? What, is that, what does that show you? They were believing a lie. Jesus says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's actually saying this into response of their current state. They were believing a lie. They are descendants of Abraham, um, but they had been in bondage, and they weren't truly free the way they thought they were. they were. Their pride that they were children of Abraham had blinded them. You ever known somebody uh, that had a serious problem, but it was very clear that they didn't realize they had that problem? I think all of us have. And if we're honest, we've been that person before, right? Um, I'm not like that, or I don't struggle with it. You ever been talking with somebody um, about a situation, and they're like, oh, I'm not like that, or I don't struggle with that. I love, it when, I love it when parents say, oh, I don't spoil my kids. And then the next statement is, hey, Junior, where do you want to go eat for lunch? Hey, what do you want? I don't know about you out there, but I never picked where I wanted to eat growing up. I never, I, I, the, only, only, um, the only option I had was, and this was only sometimes how much of certain portions I could eat. My mom told me what to eat. And if I didn't, and if I didn't eat that, then I didn't eat. I, and that plate was waiting for me at the next meal. I remember when I was growing up, I was like 20, 21, 22, and I remember my mom said, hey, where do you want to go eat? And it just struck me. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's asking me where I want to eat. Like, I don't think I've ever experienced this before. And, and so I wasn't spoiled growing up. I don't think I was spoiled. Um, but I, I, to me, it's funny how parents say, I don't spoil my kids. And I'm like, your kids determine what you eat, what time you get up, what time you go to bed. Um, I love my parents, and it wasn't that way in our, our household. I didn't like it then. I like it now. <laughs> Their pride had blinded them. And here's a statement I would like for you to remember. Pride always hides the truth. Humility, though, always reveals the truth. Whenever we have pride in our life and we think we can figure things out, we will always be blinded to the truth. But whenever we humble ourselves, we're able to see the truth. If you want to know the truth, you have to believe that you don't know everything. And I would really encourage you out there. I know it's hard. I know um, growing up with churches and pastors and leaders, I know all of us have been burned in some way or another. But we have to come to a place where we trust that God has put certain people in our life to lead us and guide us. And again, it's hard. I've been there. But we, we have to uh, continue to trust that we don't know everything and that God has put different people in our lives to help lead us and guide us. Let's keep going. Verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. He, he then doesn't just address their physical bondage. He addresses their spiritual bondage. Verse 35. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. And then he goes on to say, he, Jesus basically says, hey, you've been slaves, you're still slaves, and even though you think you're part of God's family, you're really not. Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. Verse 38, 
I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. This is a hard pill to swallow, but Jesus is actually saying, hey, I, I followed my father's example and teachings. And on the, on, the, on, the, on the opposite end, you're following the advice and teachings of your father. He is saying he is, a son, he is the son of God, and he's actually telling them, hey, you're actually sons of the devil. Now, I'm going to read the rest without trying to interrupt, but you, you'll get more, now you'll get more of the context of the next several verses. Verse 39. They said, our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you're, uh, you're imitating your real father. They replied, we are Ill illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Verse 43. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Jesus is saying, not only are you blind to the truth, he said, he's saying, you can't even begin to hear what I'm saying. Let's keep going, verse uh, 44. It says, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. And then the last verse, four, verse 47, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. We learned a couple things. First of all, and I said this earlier, when the devil speaks, he lies. He always, always lies. This is the point of the story. Just because we say we know God doesn't mean we really know God. And just because we say we're free and we're not in bondage to anything doesn't mean uh, that doesn't mean that we aren't. Many of us are, and I, and I believe, if we're honest, some of us are painfully aware of some of our struggles. I know I am. I know um, I, I've, I've wrestled with things in the past for many years, and I'm like, God, why, why am I going through this? Why am I thinking this way? How come I can't experience your peace in this area and this joy in this area? And so many of us are aware, but I, I, I would also say we've all gone through seasons where we haven't seen some of our flaws and I can be the first one to raise my hand. There were people who, who came along and said, hey, Josh, you're not seeing clearly in this area. Hey, you're not doing this. Um, just very, I've shared this many times, but I've been married before, and there were plenty of people who tried to tell me before I got married that, hey, this wasn't the right thing. But because I thought I knew what I was doing, because I thought I had heard the Lord, I went ahead and did it, and it didn't end the way that, that God wanted it to end. And so Pride has an ability to blind us, and that's why we have to walk in humility. This is the truth. This is the reality about truth and lies, and I'll, this is kind of the point of the message. When we know the truth, truth has the ability to set us free. But when we're walking in lies, we are actually walking in bondage. Knowing the truth leads to freedom. And this is why Jesus said, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free because they were walking in lies and therefore they're walking in bondage. When we walk in lies, we walk in bondage. Knowing God's truth can set you free from your bondage. So if you're going through something this morning, I would encourage you, if you will get into God's word and begin to meditate on his word, begin to make it a priority every day, the issue that you're dealing with will begin to evaporate. 
doesn't mean it'll go away. You'll begin to look at it differently. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse, verse 3. This uh, passage tells us the reality of this battle that we're in. It says, um, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Hold on right there. He said, go back to verse 5. It says, we use God's mighty, God, God's mighty weapons. What's his mighty weapons? Prayer, his word, the sword of the spirit. Not worldly weapons to knock down strongholds. These are the things that take us into bondage. Human reasoning and false arguments. Verse 5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. There are obstacles that are wanting to keep us from not just knowing God, but knowing his truth. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is actually the battle. The battle... Um, and I know that this is part of our world history for a long time. There was slavery, and there's actually still uh, sexual slavery all around the world, and we come against that. But I believe that something that, is attack, that attacks every person is the battle in our minds. It's not, it's not the fact that you're going through something. It's what you think about that thing. It's, it's the lie that you're believing that, man, hey, I'm going through this, and I don't know if God's going to show up. I don't know if I'm going to be okay those, that is the bondage that we're in. This is the battle. <clears throat> I was talking with a friend, uh, a friend uh, earlier this year about, about their brother, and their brother has kind of been um, uh, uh, estranged from, the, from, from his family for a long time, and they were talking about how this, they, they've tried to help him and tried to, 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 to provide a job for him, help him with money, but he just can't seem to get out of this, out of this belief that his family really isn't there for him, that he has this horrible life, and it was, he didn't deserve it, all these things. And as, as he was telling the story, um, and just telling me more details, I really realized, for the, I, I saw him, just kind of my mind's eye, I saw him in a dungeon. I saw him locked away deep in a dungeon, and I saw that his family had tried to help him with all these resources and finances, talking to him, praying with him, uh, sending him to, you know, counselors, to this and that, but he was still in bondage. And I thought, this is the battle. This is actually the battle. It's not that we find ourselves in jail one day, because you remember Paul and Silas, they were in jail, and they sang praises to God, and they were okay. So uh, uh, the dungeons of that we can't find ourselves in are not necessarily physical ones. They're spiritual ones. I remember just talking to them, and I remember that thinking, wow, this is actually the battle. This is actually what we're fighting against. We're not just fighting, we're not, when, whenever we have arguments with people, we're not necessarily fighting with, pe- with them necessarily, we're fighting against the spirit who has fed lies to them to, for them to reach out that way. Have you ever, and I, and I was thinking about my personal life, have you ever, thought, have you ever had, um, been in a situation where you believed a lie about somebody? Maybe, maybe something happened and somebody fed you something and it wasn't completely true. What did you do? You begin to relate to them according to what you thought was the truth, but was actually a lie. And what happened to that relationship uh, with that person who was lied about? Or, uh, the, or maybe, they weren't, maybe somebody didn't tell you, maybe you just believed something happened, it wasn't really true. That relationship was strained, and it wasn't the same. I believe this is exactly what the devil wants to do in our lives. He wants us to believe a lie about God so that our relationship is strained, so that we don't trust him, so that we don't look to him, so that we don't turn to him whenever we're going through things. These Jews were free because they didn't know truth. 
The truth was, and I believe this, their truth was their traditions and their God. They, they loved their way of living and their status in the world, and their pride blinded them, and they were actually slaves to their father, their devil. This, I'm going to tell you where this, this, um, this sermon came from. I was talking, and for sure this, the, uh, the story I talked about earlier played into this, but I was talking with a, um, I was talking with a friend of mine, um, it's uh, somebody who actually lost a loved one uh, a couple years ago and uh, lost a loved one and really going through a hard time. And, of course, anyone losing somebody, they lost them in a car accident. Anybody that's lost a loved one that way, it's, it's tragic because it's not expected and you, you're not prepared for it. And so I was um, talking with them and they were sharing with me kind of what they were going through. And they were, and they were basically saying, it's like, hey, hey, I've, Josh, I've learned to deal with this and give this to the Lord, but uh, my mother is taking this really hard, and it's like she hasn't been able to, to um, process it, and it's really stopped her from going on with life. And she just kept talking, and I realized that, um, you know, I prayed with her, and as I was praying, I realized I needed to pray uh, for her to let go of her mother to the Lord. And, and when I prayed that, you could you could, you, she was kind of tense. You could instantly see she just relaxed. And it's like, she's like, oh, wow, yes, my mother, even though she's going through it with me, um, she is not my responsibility. God, she's your responsibility. And so um, she, started, she was crying, and you know, I prayed with her, and, and then I left. Well, I followed up with her uh, several weeks later, and I saw her, and I said, uh, hey, how are you doing? And she's like, man, I'm doing so much better. And, and we were just re-talking re- re- about the, the conversation. And, and she, said, she said, man, when you said that about letting go of my mother to the Lord, man, that really changed everything. My mother's actually doing better. She's been going to a counselor. She's dealing with this. And, and I said, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's what happens. We, whenever we release things that don't belong to us, God can deal with it. And I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself in that situation when you feel responsible for somebody, not only are you not big enough to help them, you may be hindering God uh, coming and intervening, intervening on their behalf. And so I was just, I was, I was talking to this person and I was saying, um, it's like, yes, that's the power of knowing the truth. And then something came out of my mouth that I wasn't expecting. And I said, the Bible is a book about freedom. And I, I, don't, I never thought about it. Can you grab me? Grab the Bible. I forgot to, to grab it. Um, the Bible is a book about freedom. And I never really thought about it that way. But this book is not just a book. Thank you. It's not just a book that sits on your coffee table, that sits on your nightstand. Um, and, it's, and I think many of us see, usually typ- typically see the Bible this way. We see this book as a book of ideas, of Good ideas, good suggestions, and a guideline for people how, for how we as people should interact with each other. But this is actually a book about freedom. When you begin to open up the word and you begin to uh, read it and ingest it and meditate on his word, this word, what does he say? Your word is truth. What does he say? And you will know my teachings, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you meditate on, on Jesus' teachings all throughout the word, it brings you to truth. Why? Because it, it exposes the lies that we have believed. This is actually a spiritual law book. I don't know if you realize, and I mentioned this, I think, a while back, but this is actually a spiritual law book. What do I mean by spiritual law book? We have a, a natural law book that our government has written, and what does this natural law book do? 
it, it helps protect people. God has given us this law book to protect us, but the law book it says, hey, you shouldn't steal. Um, you, shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't drive fast, unfortunately. You shouldn't drive fast. Um, you shouldn't do certain things. What happens when you, do the, when you do do those things? You get a ticket, you're fine, and if you continue to, uh, to practice some of these things, you'll find yourself in jail, right? Uh, we don't want to do that. Um, this is a spiritual law book. If we model our life after this, we will experience spiritual freedom. But if we don't model our life after this, we'll, we will experience spiritual bondage. And the difference between God and our natural authorities, our law enforcement, or our judges, is that God sees everything. You may, you may think, well, I, I'm doing this, and it's okay. You know, I'm struggling with this, but I don't really want to deal with, with this issue in my life right now. God is watching, and God is a just God. You know, we, we think we can elude police officers by driving fast. If we break a law in his word, God sees everything. God sees everything. And on the contrary, we may see that as, a, as kind of a, a horror or negative thing, but if you're doing good, God sees everything. And I promise you, he will reward you. Freedom is a mindset, this, and it is. Freedom is looking at your dilemma from God's point of view. It's looking, at God, it's looking at your dilemma through God's word. Bondage is looking at your dilemma from the devil's point of view, our natural way of thinking. Freedom is a book. Freedom is a person, and it's not just a book. The word of God says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Every word in here comes from God's mouth and is profitable for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I really had a burden this week to, to talk about God's word because I believe we, in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of our fear, we have to understand what God is saying. And, I've, and I think I shared this last week. I, for many years, made this book an option. And not because I wanted to, not because I, um, I didn't love God's word. I've always loved God. I've always loved his word. But the truth was, is I was, I was serving myself and not serving him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Church, I don't want to say I beg you, but I implore you, please make his word part of your daily life. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to I close with one quick story. It's about a man named Fyodor Dostoevsky. He was a famous uh, Russian writer. He's regarded as one of like, the top ten, top, the top writers in all of Russian history. His story goes like this. Fyodor was a wild young man. And I think, if, as you're reading, you can identify with some of, some of his um, upbringing. was a wild young man. His life revolved around eating, drinking, talking, music, theater, and the company of women. He dreamed of fame. He was caught up in a moment for political and social reform in Russia during the repressive reign of Tsar Nicholas I. He was arrested, tried, and then condemned to be executed. On a bitterly cold morning, the prisoners were taken out to be shot. The prison guards raised their muskets to their shoulders and took aim. At the last moment, a white flag was raised to announce that the Tsar or the king had commuted their sentence to life imprisonment in Siberia. On his arrival in Siberia at the age of 28, two women slipped him a New Testament, the Word of God. When the guard turned away momentarily, they suggested he should search, he should search the pages thoroughly, and he did. While in prison, Theodore uh, read the New Testament from cover to cover and learned much of it by heart. He didn't just read it. 
He memorized it. He got it in him and made it part of his thinking, made it part of his life. This is what we, if we're going to be transformed, we have to do the same thing. He wrote this. I believe that there is no one lovelier, deeper, more sympathetic, and more perfect than Jesus. I say to myself with jealous love, not only is there no one else like him, but there could never be anyone like him. It was through the Bible that he had countered Jesus Christ. You see, he was transformed because he poured himself into this, and he was set free. He had before cha- he had chased fame, he had chased money, he had chased women, and found himself about to be executed. In bondage, literal bondage. And that's what, what some of us are doing today. We are, saying, we are living for ourselves, and I just want to tell you how that's going to end. It leads in bondage and eventually death. But if we turn to the Lord, and if we set our eyes on him, get in his word, his word will set us free. You know, we're actively working on a vaccine for the coronavirus, and I think we're making progress. But did you know there is a vaccine to keep us from going into bondage? It's this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, it doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. You could literally be in a jail cell. But you, know, but you know that God is for you. Know, you know that he forgives all of your sins. He doesn't count your sins against you. That he doesn't judge you according to your works. He judges you according to your heart. When you know these truths, then it doesn't matter where you find yourself. You will experience his peace and joy in any season and situation.